Welcome in to the best in paranormal programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Today is Thanksgiving, and I want to give thanks to, first of all, you, the listeners who are listening to this program and have this attitude of gratitude, which I have every day, but especially today. And as you're gathering around that Thanksgiving table today, sharing it with friends, loved ones, and everyone that you hold dear, I want to give thanks for some of the friends that I have here in the paranormal, uh, in the paranormal world, the people that, that I hold dearest uh, in the world. And I wanted to spend some time with one of those friends today and just talk shop and, and find out what's going on in the paranormal world, especially on their side of the fence. So I invited a good friend, Lon Strickler, today to the program, and we're just going to uh, talk shop and talk a little bit about monsters and cryptids. Lon Strickler is a Fortean researcher, author, and publisher of the syndicated Phantoms and Monsters blog. He began the blog in 2005, which has steadily grown in popularity, boy has it ever, and is read daily by tens of thousands of paranormal enthusiasts, investigators, and those seeking the truth. His research and reports have been featured on hundreds of online media sources. Several of these published reports have been presented by various television segments, including the History Channel's Ancient Aliens, Sci-Fi's Paranormal Witness, Factor faked paranormal files and destination america's monsters and mysteries in america he's been interviewed on hundreds of radio and online broadcasts including multiple guest appearance on coast to coast am he was also featured on destination america's monsters and mysteries in america television shows for uh, for the sykesville monster episode alon has written nine books and is currently the host of phantom and phantoms and monsters radio on youtube uh, also, I believe he's on Spotify. We'll check that as well. Lon was born and raised in south-central Pennsylvania near the Gettysburg National Military Park and Battlefield after living in the Baltimore, Maryland metro area for 40 years. He eventually moved back to his hometown in 2016. Let's bring in our good friend, Lon Strickler. Lon, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for being here, and I appreciate you taking time out here on Thanksgiving to uh, to share a little time uh, with our audience here. Uh, let me clear this up. Spotify, uh, the show's on Spotify. Yes, I'm on Spotify. Yeah, great, great, great. Um, and I encourage people to go over check out uh, Phantoms and Monsters if they haven't done so already. I can't imagine that there's people in our audience that haven't. But uh, if they if they haven't, the show is is highly entertaining, and you bring a lot of information to our world my my friend uh in fact i re- i depend on your information uh that you you bring to the the paranormal world uh today we're gonna kind of go over what's going on as far as cryptids go because it's been a busy few months oh loch ness monster there's been loch ness monster sightings in the last uh month or two um the big one we'll start out with of course uh silverton uh the bigfoot sighting that was what looked like plain as day on video lawn mm. i want it yeah i want to ask you do you look at that with a skeptical eye what is it that you saw from your perspective and tell me what you were looking at when you first saw that well first of all that area has had sightings before uh it's pretty well known there have been actually a couple sightings on that same train line mm-hmm. uh that just didn't really get out into the public but i know of at least two other one besides this last one um sure i looked at it very critically at first uh gauged the reaction of the people that were taking the video and uh the the location is pretty pretty far out there you know 
Like, yeah. there, there's no guy just running around out there for the hell of it in a suit. But uh, I have talked to a couple of people who who are pretty close to what's going on in in the Bigfoot world. Um, and many of them, if not the majority of them, believe it's real. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, and you know, we took you know we took some close-ups up of it and 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 looked at forensically tried to look at it i believe it i believe it was an actual sighting um so uh you know of course you're going to get people are going to be very skeptical of it and just you know take it all and say it's you know it's, it, it's just not real but no i believe i believe it's a it's a better than average authentic setting here's what worries me lon and i'll, I'll be blatantly honest with you i mean we we do kind of kind of lampoon it a little bit, the the inclusion of AI in everything, in deep fakes yeah. and, and whatnot. I really do worry about it when it comes to the cryptid and monster world, that, that deep fakes are so easy to produce now. Mm-hmm. How much does this worry you when it comes to the cryptid world that people will want to, uh, for lack of a better term, just rib people out there in, in the in the paranormal world and set up deep fakes so that they can get a rise out of people and and set up something like that. And how much do you think will be put into the general populace to get that rise? Oh, I think all of us are wary of it. Uh, even with the CGI and, and digital, uh, beginning of digital, people were, were attempting to fake things. But for the most part, they're, they're all programs you can use to to go deeper into it and to see if it is fake. Uh and we have done that for the most part. And look, we, we, we've caught a lot of fakes. There's no doubt about it. I, I'm very skeptical of a lot of this stuff. Um, more so with the cryptid canines as opposed to the Bigfoot, because there seems to be so many cryptid canine sightings that uh, are foot, so-called footage that, that's been created by AI or even you know digitally um, enhanced somehow. So... Uh, but normally we can dig that out. Uh, there are some real good ones out there. I, I will admit that. But I, I think the biggest the biggest thing is that when you're looking into something like this is to actually talk to the witness and dig deep into the, the what they're saying and if they're trying to um, embellish on it and such. Uh, you know, this is something that we've been hearing from the very beginning with the uh, the Chicago Mothman sightings. People are saying, "Well, you know, you you're getting a perspective that just can't be real, and there's no video, there's no photographs." Yeah, okay, but there's a reason for that, and mm-hmm. and the fleeting sightings, people's shock of seeing it, being able to get a phone out and to get a photograph of this thing quickly. But the one thing that we have noticed is that people are not recreating or using AI to to make these to make claims of being able to see these things. So that tends to make me believe that people just are not, you know, lying about this for the most part. And of course, when you talk to the witnesses, you've got only anecdotal evidence. You really got to dig deep, deep into it and, and to see how they react and then see if they embellish. And of course, you're going to get people to do that. 
Uh, but for the most part, and the guy guys working with me, especially Tobias Whalen, will, you know, we we are very critical, and we do bounce all this stuff off each other, and we do follow up with each other. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think as time has gone on, uh, we're much more critical than we originally were. But going back and looking at these the earlier sightings, I, I believe for the most part we're just uh, we're dealing with something that's just unexplained. What's the best fake you've ever seen? Uh, has there been a, f- a fake that you've seen that you went, wow, that's really good? Specifically, no, I, I can't wait. I, I, you know, there are some that I believe are not fake. Of course, I think the Patterson-Gimlin film is is absolutely a real a real take, a real photograph. Um, the Freeman film, I believe, was there are a few others. But as far as um, I, I think most of the CG stuff, and maybe the AI stuff that's that's starting now is being picked up on. Yeah. Now, the Silverton sighting. Sure, it could have been AI, but from from what I've seen and what you know from the information I've gotten from others, I just don't believe it is. I think that's a real sighting, and we have had like before. I said we've had sightings there before, and. Um, you know, at this point right now, that's that's about the best evidence I have of it or, or, or thoughts on it. You know, I, I may very well be, you know, uh, overruled down the road, but I, I think at this point we can say it's probably a, an authentic sighting. There's always someone who's going to try and shoot down evidence. I mean, that, that's sure. just the way it is. There's a cynic in every skeptic and there's a there's a skeptic in every believer. Um but with me, when I sat down and I watched the Silverton footage and, and what little was out there as far as mainstream coverage, the mainstream co- mainstream coverage of it was was very much, I don't want to say skeptical. At first, they took a, a step back as to, well, what exactly is this thing? What are we watching? And then mm-hmm. whatever little commentary there was on it. Uh, seem to kind of be the old, you know, side side arm in the ribs. Oh, ha, ha, well, you know, well, maybe he was looking for food or maybe he was trying to set up a picnic or, you know, kind of laughing it off to get to the next story. It was just an addendum at the end of a newscast. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, as I sat and I watched in depth with the footage, I thought, man, this is slick. It's really slick. Um, down to at one point, there's a pan of the of the footage and i'm thinking this is really really slick and to me i i skeptical never cynical i went "Mm, is it too slick now i i'm i'm of a mind to to think that people come out with their best intentions when they want to release a film like that one they come out and they say i know People are going to laugh at this. I know I'm putting myself out there. I know people are going to drag me through the mud. So if I'm going to bring this forward, this was a real experience. Mm -hmm. But I also know there are people out there that have an extreme amount of narcissism that just want their name out there and want to be recognized. So I weigh one with the other and figure out, okay, how long is this going to have a half-life in the media? Yeah. With us, with the paranormal public, it still has a a half-life. Do you think people have already in the mainstream forgotten about this? Have people moved on? Well, for the most part, I think they have. Um, 
but I, I think it's going to be referenced a lot, uh, especially within the community. Um, you know, when when other evidence does come forward at some point, and it will. I mean, there'll be other photographs and other videos. It, it'll be used for the comparison. Um, as far as well, on both sides. I mean, a comparison as to possibly being real, or a comparison to it being AI or some type of fake footage. So, uh, and of course, you know, that's what they do with the Patterson-Gimlet film. It's always been kind of the set, set as a standard, but of course you've got other people who do do not believe it's real, who don't just don't believe in the Bigfoot phenomena overall. Uh, but I think it'll be part of the, it'll be part of the vernacular. Um, we'll see. I mean, you know, it, it's a test of time thing. Mm-hmm. But I, as technology increases and, and starts to um, get out there more and more as far as uh, uh, consumer grade and then start, you know, I, I, I think more and more, uh, more and more authentic stuff is going to come forward. Now, let's hope so. Yeah. It's just don't, it's just hope that people are, are not going to go out there just to make a name for themselves and, and, create a lot of uh, content that is, and you do, you know, you go into YouTube now, 99% of it's just garbage. Mm-hmm. And, but most time you can pick it up. Um, so, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's a tough question. It's tough to answer. Uh, I, I think with anything like this, you've got to go back and look at the history of the area. There've been other sightings. If there is footage, you've got to compare it to those. Uh, but you got to talk to the people. I think you need to talk to the people that are involved with this daily. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm one of those because really I'm not. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of eclectic. I just take everything that comes my way, but it, it, it's part of what I do. And, but I think for what I've seen in the way I've talked to people and, and, uh, uh, what they're, the feedback they're giving me, I, I think it's, it's better than 50, 50 that it, it was an authentic setting. It definitely is interesting. I mean, to get that yeah. clear of a picture of something, especially a Bigfoot, it, it really does intrigue me. And and what I find interesting too, Lon, is is what we take as a threat in this country and what we take as nature. Um, and we'll talk a little bit uh, towards the end of the program about the, the aliens situation in Congress and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I find it interesting that when you capture something in the wild that's that that is that big, that huge, you you put it on video and then you show people on the news the interest, like and what the public says, like oh I knew that was out there, or oh yeah sure I'm you know I'm sure there's plenty of those wandering around, and then they go back to their daily lives, mm-hmm. and then you say oh yeah there's uh, there's aliens out there, and then you show a video, or you show an unknown craft. And people go, oh, yeah, I know that's been out there the entire time. It's no big deal. It's not going to change my life. But then they start having congressional hearings, and you have senators and and representatives talking about how it's a national security threat. Well, what's the difference between one and the other in your eyes? What's a threat, and what's part of nature? Yeah, I mean... I I guess it's it's anybody's perspective on what is a threat or... Uh, or the or the the main thing is, does it affect their personal life? Uh, if it doesn't affect their personal lives, I I don't think I I think it lasts for a, a brief time period, and then after that, it's forgotten about. 
But if you, you know, speaking on aliens and UFOs and such, if, if these things start landing on the White House lawn, uh, then people are going to start picking up interest in it <laughs> because it may be something that's going to affect their personal lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these these congressional hearings are interesting, and we've had several of them in the past decade or so for the most part. Um, I don't really know to what extent it, it proves, you know, it. You know, you're getting the perspective of one or two people. Then you got other people that are expounding on what this person testified to. Uh, of course, you get one whistleblower that comes forward, but you know, then it, there's there's other things that come up about their background and a few other things. And you know, of course, people are skeptic about it. And uh, you know, I guess it's human nature to to look for the worst in an individual. Right, and, and to take you know, put more uh, credence to that as opposed to what they're saying is actually happening. I mean, that's just the way things have been. So um, I don't know. I mean, I I, I think w- when it gets to a point where it's it's saturation, and then it gets to another point, the next step that where it affects the per- people's personal lives, then I think people may start taking it more serious. And of course, we got a lot of people that take it serious. You know, I, I try to look at everything that comes my way. Mm-hmm. But uh, you got to get priorities at this point. And uh, I don't know, you know, I put it out there, let them look at it, let the people look at it, let them judge for themselves. I mean, I it doesn't bother me if people are skeptical of it. Uh, I'm just putting it out there. Right. Uh, and I'm not putting it out there to go viral or anything to that point. I mean, I'm putting it out there for people to look at and to judge for themselves. It's just like the whole thing in Chicago. I, I've never really, you know, and I've been accused of this. I mean, I've been accused of trying to make be profitable, and I haven't been. I mean, I put the information out there. I put the reports out there. And you know, people can judge for themselves. So that that any any part of the any aspect of the paranormal, I, I think um you know, that's just the way it is. I mean, put it out there for people to judge themselves and it gets to a point where it does affect them and then they'll act on it. So for listeners that aren't familiar, you're talking about Mothman in Chicago, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. recap for our listeners just briefly the things that you found in Chicago with Mothman? Well, you know, this all started Back in 2011, when there was three sightings in South Chicago of this uh, this winged being, and at that point, I don't think even the humanoid factor even came into it. It was just a, a large winged being that people were seeing and reporting. And um, but between 2011 2017, there, you know, there was reference to it, but it just didn't really get that much attention. Mm-hmm. But then in the spring of 2017. That's when we started getting a, a multitude of sightings. And in fact, 20, uh, 2017, we had 55 sightings during that year. Okay. And uh, of course, during the summer, it was getting very busy. But what people were seeing, for the most part, now early on, there were some renditions. Uh, some people described it very closely to what the Mothman Point Pleasant looked like, the insectoid wing type thing, the actual Mothman. Uh, then it kind of uh, morphed, if you want to say, into uh, an owl man or uh, a being with feathered wings. We had four or five of those. Then as time went on, 
it it people were seeing what they described as a five to six foot being sometimes larger, very emaciated, dark in color, uh, but humanoid with arms and legs uh, that had wings that were bat-like membrane wings, gargoyle, if you want to say that, a small head, but it did have an actual head hmm. uh, as opposed to a, you know, eyes and mouth and such inside the upper body as the Mothman was described as. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course the Mothman came in all renditions anyway. Um, but that, you know, many times they had the red eyes, very similar to what people saw at, at Point Pleasant. And from what I saw in 1988, I had an encounter in 1988, looked very much like what people are describing. And um, so, and, and that, for the most part, for the past, what, seven, seven years, six years, it, it's been pretty steady as far as the description. Of course, we're going to get a few Owlman sightings, um, but I think there are, are multitudes of these beings that are, that are showing up now. What are they? I don't know. I mean, are they interdimensional beings? I, I believe they are. I, I don't believe that they're indigenous. I don't believe that they live on our earth plane, I think they move in and out somehow. Yeah. Uh, I think they are corporeal. I think there is flesh and blood to them. And I think they have an ability, like a lot of people think other cryptids and especially Bigfoot have the ability to move in and out of dimensions. Uh, so take it for what it is, but that's, that's where the evidence is at this point. There's a legend that, Mothman has something to do with bridge collapses. I know here in Minneapolis with the, th- I know I, I see you kind of rolling your eyes a little bit, but yeah. there was reports before the 35W bridge collapse here in Minneapolis that they had seen a creature similar to Mothman. Although when, when the department of transportation took a look at the 35W bridge, they, they blamed it on the same thing that we all blame it on, which is uh, bird guano and, and bat guano uh, deteriorating the joints in the bridge and just said yeah. it was time and time and, and dung if you will um how much credence do you put into something like that i really don't buy into the harbinger theory yeah you know um you know many times when people come up with this um well we saw something a large wing being before the actual disaster well it's usually after the fact it's not people reporting it beforehand yeah um the the um the minneapolis bridge collapse you know i have talked to several people that are around the area at the time uh people who had just been on the bridge and you know i you know i really looked deep into it that first maybe a year after it happened i i couldn't come up with any evidence that anybody saw anything okay uh, the same with Fukushima, uh, with the, the nuclear plant. Uh, so, you know, the only, the only incident that I believe has some fact of something being seen before the, the destruction was, um, was at Chernobyl. Uh, and, uh, there were reports of a large black winged being being seen above the reactor up to a week beforehand. And um, it was documented, and there were a lot of people that had seen it. I actually talked to two people who lived in the area, lived in that town, um, that that did report it, that did see it. Um, so, um, 
I, I think that's the only example we really have. I've got a lot of anecdotal evidence that people have seen things, e- even even accidents that happened up to a century ago or, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I just don't buy into that whole thing. Um, it, it's usually after the fact. And I think, you know, you look at Point Pleasant, the Silver Bridge collapse. Uh, that was December 1967, right before Christmas. You've got a small town. And you've got 46 people that die in a small town because of a bridge collapse. Was there a um, was there a wing being seen above the bridge trying to warn people of it? Or maybe the whole year beforehand when these sightings were going, was this thing trying to warn of a disaster? You know, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, you know, John Keel kind of expounded on that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, him being a journalist, of course, you know, I talked to John Keel years and years ago about it, and he kind of acknowledged it, you know. You know, it, it, it made a good story. Uh, of course, the men in black and the other UFO sightings, a lot of weird stuff that was going on around there in Mason County. I mean, he, he you know, the Mothman prophecies had a lot of that in there. Right. Uh, the book was good. The film wasn't. But, yes. You yeah. know, you, you go by that. Um, but no, I don't. I don't necessarily buy into it. Though I have talked to people who swear that they have had encounters with uh, winged beings and had uh, something happen to them or in their fa- in their life or a friend or something that happened uh, afterwards. So interesting. Interesting. Take the good to bad. That's true. Very much so. Very much so. Tell you what, Lon, we'll take our break right here. When we come back, let's talk a little bit about an article you have up on uh, phantomsandmonsters.com about the Sykesville monster, if we could, mm-hmm. just briefly. And then when mm-hmm. we come back, we'll also jump into the alien issue a little bit more. I want to talk to you a little bit about exactly what it is we're expecting or what we should expect down the road. We'll talk about that as well. Our guest is Lon Strickler. We have links up for you to check out Lon, his material, his blog, which is out there, and he does a very good job keeping up with his blog. We also have links to Phantom and Phantoms and Monsters Radio, so you can take a listen to uh, Lon's program. We want you, we, and we encourage you to listen to Lon's program. Check out everything that is Lon Strickler. He's got a lot of good information out there, folks. When we come back, more with Lon Strickler here on The Best in Paranormal Programming. This is Darkness Radio. Welcome back to the Best in Paranormal Programming. This is Darkness Radio. I'm your host, Tim Dennis. Our guest is Lon Strickler, and we're talking all things cryptid today. I want to want you to check out the links for Lon in the description of this program. We're uh, talking about phantoms and monsters, the blog, the radio show. Um, lots of good stuff out there that Lon has. He also has nine different books out there, and we've got links to everything in the description of this show. Lon, before the uh, break, I teased that we were going to talk about the Sykesville Monster Encounter. You've got it on your blog there at phantomsandmonsters.com. Can you tell us a little bit about the Sykesville Monster and what's so different about this cryptid other than uh, that differentiates from others? I don't know if it really differentiates from other uh, hairy hominid sightings, 
my encounter was in May 9th of 1981 uh, outside of Sykesville, Maryland, on the South Branch Patapsco River. Um, I was fly fishing like I had, I did a lot of at the time. And uh, I, at the spot of where I was at, I was actually been there many times before. But as I was in the river, standing in the river, fly fishing, I, I saw a dog across the, uh, on the other bank. And it was very close. I mean, the, this part of the river is very narrow. So I was, um, matter 20, 30 foot from the actual bank itself on the other side. Anyway, I saw this dog, didn't pay much mind until the dog yelped. And when the dog let that yelp, I looked across the way and I saw something stand up into the high weeds. Now, it was dark, it was hairy, and I didn't know what I was looking at. But when it stood up, uh, the weeds came about mid-torso, and uh, I could see that this thing was huge. And it started walking to my left and walked out of the weeds and came out onto the bank of the river at the bend and stood there, and we just locked eyes on each other. And this thing was anywhere from seven and a half to eight foot in height, dark brown in color, matted hair, a lot of it. Uh, definitely male, had genitalia, was was visible. Uh, it was a... Um, <laughs> The face was very distinguishable and looked more human than ape. And of course, I had the real deep set eyes and the, the large uh, brow ridge, and it had a somewhat of a conical head and dark skin, but you know, it was underneath, you know, underneath the hair. Mm -hmm. And it uh, was making a ticking sound. And I, what I gathered later on down the road, I, I think it was gnashing its teeth almost like a, a nervous tick seeing something else. Uh, I don't know. You know, yeah. I, I did get a, a, a brief whiff of some type of fox urine odor. Okay. Which I was used to because I used to use fox urine to mask my shoes when I used to go deer hunting. Okay. But I was very close to it. I was about 40 foot away. We were very close. And I'm standing there in the water with my jaw in the water <laughs> because I'm looking at this huge thing but i didn't know what i was really looking at sure i knew what i have heard of the bigfoot i i knew about i wasn't an investigator i wasn't cryptozoology into cryptozoology i wasn't looking into any of that i was mostly just doing paranormal stuff as far as hauntings and such yeah but uh as i watched this thing I, i'm thinking well you know what is this you know is this human is this bigfoot what what is it if I'd have had a gun, I doubt I'd have shot it because, or shot at it because it looked so human. Wow. But we watched each other, looked at each other for about 10 seconds. It turned quickly and walked swiftly up into the woods. And uh, I made my way out of the river, went up to my car, got in, and headed for the nearest phone. And uh, I was on like a mile out of Sykesville. So I f the first phone I found was right there outside of a bar. And I called the, the Sykesville police. And I told the woman, the dispatcher, what I saw. And with all the giggles and everything behind the scenes, I, you know, I'm thinking, well, she's telling me, well, go back and we'll have somebody meet you there. Well, I'm thinking to myself, why in the hell do I want to go back there? Right. Yeah. yeah. But I said, okay. So, but. I got in the car and it's no more than a three minute drive back. By the time I got there, 
there was a Maryland State Police officer already there at the location where I was at with one of those wooden barriers across the road already. So right there, I knew what they knew this thing was running around. So, you know, something was going on. And there had been a report earlier in the day down in Marriott'sville, which is down river about four or five miles mm-hmm. of a, a Bigfoot sighting. A uh, woman had reported it. But even so, the authorities don't, you know, they don't look into that. So even back then, they didn't look into it. So something was going on. I, I, I figured that this thing had escaped from somewhere. It was, was they were out looking for it. Well, so I went up to the police officer, pulled my car up. He said, you got to get out of here. I said, well, I made a report. Sykesville police told me to come here. And, no, you got to go. So I had to back up and turn around and leave. But I did. About an hour later, and I lived in Sykesville at the time. So an hour later, I, I, I just said, well, I'm going back out there and see what's going on. And I did. I drove back to location <laughs> about a quarter mile from the barrier, from where the barrier of the sighting was, it was just loaded with traffic. There was tr- cars and stuff all up and down the road. So I parked the car, walked up, and um, there was a Howard County police officer there standing at the barrier and a few other people standing there. But I, I noticed there were people with dogs and such going in and out of the woods. There was a big white tent set up where I had seen this thing. Uh, there was a lot going on. Uh, and I walked up to the, the Coward County police officer and asked him kind of jokingly, what's going on? He kind of laughed. Somebody said they saw a Bigfoot. Well, I wasn't going to tell him I'm the guy that made the report. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah. but I said, Oh, really? So I'm looking, I'm standing there for a bit and I'm looking at all the cars that every jurisdiction around there was there, even the feds. And at that time, the feds used to drive those black wagoneers. There were two of those sitting there. I heard a helicopter, didn't see it, but I heard it. And I saw all these people going in and out of the woods with dogs, people going in and out of that tent across the river. Uh, it was almost like a circus atmosphere, quite honest. It was crazy. So oh. I decided before somebody starts coming up to me and starts asking me questions, I'm getting out of here. So I did. I went back home. And when I got home, I called the radio state, not radio, the TV stations in Baltimore. And I told them what it was, uh, what I had seen and what was going on. I talked to the three networks there. They were all interested. I'd say very interested. And they said, we'll get back to you when we get some verifications of what's going on. And I did find out later that news people did go to the area. Uh, So anyway, I... um, they said, well, we'll get back to you in a couple of days or a day or so, and we'll interview you. I said, fine. Five days later, nobody had called. Hmm. So I called one of the stations, WMAR, actually. And the news editor got on there, and he literally hung up on me. Really? And I'm wondering, well, what the hell? The only thing he said to me is, I can't talk to you. Yeah, so... Anyway, I knew right there something was up. And, uh, <laughs> but and as time has gone on, had gone on, I, I didn't really talk a whole lot about it. I talked to friends about it. Uh, then I found out 
about five or six years previous, well, even longer, seven or eight years previous to that, there had been a phenomenon called the Sykesville Monster. And in fact, what happened was people that were living along the river, uh, that community had had issues with something described as a Bigfoot breaking into garages, one time into a kitchen, into chicken pens and all types, and, and, and just causing havoc. I didn't know anything about it. Because when it actually started going on, the only new, the news, the media that covered it was the, uh, the Baltimore Afro-American newspaper. Mm-hmm. And the reason of that was because all the victims, all the people that were seeing these, these in that neighborhood were all uh, African-American. Mm-hmm. And the, the gentleman who I worked with, who, who lived there, he told me about it after I told him what I had seen. And many of these people were family of his. And he introduced me to a lot of these folks. I, I started investigating. I was getting witnesses who didn't come forward earlier. I got a lot of information. Yeah. And uh, that's when I realized that, well, maybe there may be a connection here. Now, I didn't first call it the Sykesville Monster. I, I didn't make anything like that until I started the blog and wrote about it in 2008 or 2007, I forget when I started talking about it. And, 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 but I had made a report with the BFRO in 1995 about it. Okay. So it was on their records. But when I came forward and started talking about it, uh, on the blog, that's when the whole Sykesville monster thing started coming back up. Now I did have a police officer, a Sykesville police officer contact me later on who was there at the day of my sighting, you know, with the investigation. He's the one that told me that the news people came out there. He's the one that verified everything that I was saying. Uh, so, um, yeah, so I had that witness. Plus, I had a few others later on. I talked to some people who I, actually I talked to one gentleman who was part. It was in the Air Force uh, who who had been at uh, Edgewood, uh, which is a. Uh, which is a testing ground near Aberdeen Proving Grounds up in Baltimore County and Harford County. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they, um, he said, yeah, we know about what happened in Sykesville. We had heard about it. So, uh, it was kind of common knowledge within the government. So, um, you know, I, I still really haven't got many answers other than that. And I still look into it. And occasionally I will get sighting reports around the area. Uh, people coming forward about things that had happened to them previous and after that. Uh, that general location has had four Class A sightings, according to the BFRO. Okay. So there's something, there was something in there. Now, I don't know how much it is now. The last report I had in the area is about three or four years ago in, in a place called Daniels, Maryland, which is an old mill town down the river. Uh, where a woman and her and her son had an encounter with something that actually chased them. Really? And um, so I don't know if it's related, but that whole area, that Patapsco State Park area up into uh, Liberty Reservoir, uh, people who are familiar with that area, uh, it, it seems to have been a hot spot for Bigfoot. As to now, I don't know. It's built up a lot now. Mm-hmm. So 
It doesn't sound like the Sykesville monster is a classic Bigfoot, but would you say it's Bigfoot? I mean, the way you described it, it's hairy, obviously. It had a smell to it, but not the classic Bigfoot smell that you typically hear about. Would you say it was Bigfoot, or is it more of a human-type hybrid? You know, when you look at the um, when you look at the sightings nationwide or North America wide, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. you've got areas within, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, Florida, around the Gulf, of possible indigenous beings. Mm-hmm. These um, these creatures do seem to have family groups. They do seem to live in the wild. Um, they do seem to be indigenous beings. Other areas uh, here in Pennsylvania, Maryland, the East Coast, the Upper Midwest, other places where Bigfoot's reported, I, I think they're, uh, I think they're interdimensional beings. And most times, when you see them, you don't see a family group or a group. You see one individual. Right. Right. Uh, now, the fact that the government was so interested, I believe, in what happened in my case and other cases as well, because there have been others, especially in Maryland. Um, where the government got involved with it. Is this part of a hybrid program they have? Who knows? Maybe it was an escapee. I do have some testimony from an individual at Edgewood who stated that a whole bunch of them had escaped at Edgewood because there was a facility there where they were. I don't know how true it is. The guy's credentials, I checked on it. He was ex-military. He had um, he had clearance and all that other stuff, and um, he panned out. Hmm. But, you know, you don't know the story, how true it is. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of iterations here. But maybe one day I'll, I'll go deep dive into it and, and write about it. I don't know. I, you know. Uh, but I need to gather more, much more evidence, and um, we'll see. But I, I believe that um, I think most of the sightings are of single individuals or interdimensional beings. I'd rather really do. Now, how long they're here? Are they here to hunt on some occasions? Possibly. Is that the reason why we're not getting bodies or more physical evidence than what we do? Because we get sightings everywhere. Yep. But we just don't come up with any physical evidence that proves that something's out there. Um, even in areas where I do believe that they're indigenous, um, we just don't get the, the evidence. We don't have a body. Um, so who knows? When you were in front of it, and you're bringing up, you know, the fact that it, it, it could be a transdimensional being, did it look like it had a corporeal body too? Like it was flesh and bone? Like you were standing in front of, uh, through it, obviously. Yeah, it was making noise. It was, uh, when it was walking. You could hear it on the, the, the gravel bank of the river. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I heard it. I mean, it, it attacked that dog and, you know, I heard a dog yelp. Okay. Dog reacted to it. it, it I think it hit the dog. Hmm. Um, so, and when it walked away, I heard it walking. I mean, I was that close to it. So, it's, so uh, it's got, I think it was corporeal. Yeah. It's got physical form. Yeah. Or physical. at least it's able to go from a non-physical to physical and back again. If that, if it has that ability. Well, I, I think, I think these creatures as well as a lot of cryptids have other abilities as well. Uh, you know, there's there's something that's been going on more so in the past decade or so, but since the Predator movies and the people I say Predator movies, people know what I'm talking about the yeah. Glimmerman effect of this some type of um, cloaking. Uh, 
first of all, I've, I've been trying to find out how the concept for that screenplay ever came up. Did somebody who wrote it actually talk to somebody or he had a personal experience himself with something like that? Well, you know, people are seeing that same phenomenon now. And we're, it's getting reported to us. We're actually in the process of, of writing a book about the whole phenomena. Really? And uh, me and another gentleman are, are going to be doing that at some point. And, um, but we've gotten that many reports that it, it, we're going to be able to put into a book. Um, I don't know how much hypothesis we're going to be able to do or what we think it is. But I think um, just from what I have heard and seen, and we do have some photographs, of uh, possible Bigfoot morphing into this type of um, this type of cloaking that looks like glassine looking or what we call the glimmer man effect. Yeah, yeah, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Um, and and that brings up an interesting point uh, that along with Bigfoot, you generally see. I shouldn't say generally. We've we've had other guests on that have said, you know, where you see Bigfoot, you may see a flying saucer, you may see a craft. Um, mm-hmm. Is that common in in the people you talk to when when you have seen? Uh, you've had people who have seen a Bigfoot. Uh, have they seen a craft close behind? It's not common. Uh, it does happen. It's been documented. Stan Gordon documented early on back in the seventies during the UFO flap here in Pennsylvania, in particular. Uh, but uh, there have been sightings of Bigfoot around the same time as uh, UFO or, or crab sightings. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that we do notice more so now, and it's increasing as time is going on, that we're seeing more other more, more aspects of the paranormal associated with the Bigfoot sightings. Uh the most common are orbs. Yeah. Yeah. And we're getting reports of orbs associated with Bigfoot sightings more and more every day. Now, how is, how are they associated? Is this something like a portal opening up or is this some type of energy that's released with the portal or is the Bigfoot doing it themselves? Uh, we're getting it with some cryptic canine sightings. We're also getting s- reports of, people seeing these things corporeal that vanish in the thin air. I mean, are they going into a portal or do they have the ability to cloak? There's a lot of different things going on. Now I'm not saying that this had, this stuff didn't happen before. I think people are just more open-minded to talk about it as opposed to years ago. Right. And I think it's, I think that investigators need to delve into it more as well. Uh, you know, for the most part, people that are interested in Bigfoot aren't interested in other parts of the, the paranormal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when they're interviewing, they just kind of uh, shun that stuff away and they don't really take it as part of the sighting. It's like an incidental thing. Well, I, I'd say most sightings that I have of anything uh, cryptid have other factors involved with it, um, be it UFO sightings or orbs or even paranormal sight- phenomena, uh, hauntings, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, it, it, the fine, there's a fine line between all this thing, all these things, I believe. And uh, you know, as time has gone on, as we've looked into in, into areas, especially local. There's always something seems to be something tied in with. Yeah. 
Do you think it's time for Apers to kind of uh, give up the ghost on the fact that it's it's just a uh, it's just a, a a form of gorilla that it's it's it should uh, they should kind of expand their horizons and start taking a better look and and keeping their eyes uh, maybe to the skies when they see something like this. Yeah, I think they they just can't uh, can't be tunnel vision. They've got to expand out and um, be open minded. You know, there's a lot of people who have been involved with the paranormal for a long, long time, uh, especially cryptids, Bigfoot, cryptic canines. Who, as time has gone on, they start to realize that there's something else going on here. Uh, there's no bodies being found. There's you know. There's just a lot of unexplained reasons as to why, you know, we just don't know why these things are showing up, what they're doing here. Um, perfect example was uh, Linda Godfrey. She was coming around more and more as I talked to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, she started realizing that the whole cryptid canine phenomenon, the upright canines, there was something else going on there. Uh, and, and others have as well. So, um well, you know, fun. we'll see. We'll see. You know, we'll see how 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 um, serious uh, these people become as far as associating with other paranormal activity. The fact that you you can't necessarily follow one back to a den. I mean, it is just you know, or or a you know a, a pack or or any type of living situation seems unusual. And we've tried. You know, on many occasions we've tried, and it's just it's just almost impossible to find it. Yeah. Um, you know, people say, well, I see a nest here or that and that. Okay, well, that may be true. But I think for the most part, it's either an indigenous being or, or something that, look, areas just like in Pennsylvania, we find, we find structures and stuff, possible nests all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying there are no indigenous beings but I'd say for the most part, they're not. Right. Uh, maybe some are, you know, living on our earth plane more permanent than other beings are. Uh, that's it. You know, I, I work with people that do believe that. Uh, but I, I think most of them do realize that there are some supernatural aspects to these creatures as well. Well, I look at it this way, Lon. If, if, if you're going to have an extended stay somewhere. Let's say you go to a conference, you're going to need a hotel, right? Or you're going to need somewhere where you're going to stay over for a little bit. If they're here for an extended stay, let's say if they're hunting or if they're, if they're doing research or whatever it is they're doing on this planet, I don't know Mm -hmm. what it is they're doing. uh, They're going to need a place to bed down for a little bit. So of course Mm -hmm. there's probably nests, but I don't think they're meant to be permanent. Oh, and I I don't either. Uh, You know, we don't find them land in these places. (laughs) Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it looks like something that was made for a brief period of time, then abandoned, and then you know, yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like camping, it's right. like our form of camping. Yeah. Um, also, in the blog, there's there's an interesting, uh, and I want to make a transition here. When I bring up uh, Bigfoot and I bring up aliens, there's a reason I, I bring that up. Um, on the blog recently, you wrote about uh, Kevin, who's a U.S. Navy vet who had called into Coast to Coast when it was hosted by Jimmy Church. And he had been talking about a bizarre abduction experience that he had had. One of the things that we had brought up earlier, Congress and the Arrow meetings and and the fact that they're talking about uh, military experiences with UFOs. 
there's one thing that they haven't brought up in the arrow meetings, and it stands out like a fish stinking in the sun. And that's this, Lon. There are no abduction experiences that have been brought up in these meetings. They're very surface meetings. They're meetings that are only meant to kind of glad hand you a little bit, and then they stop. It's just enough surface stuff to appease certain people. I'm curious what your takes are on this, on these meetings, and, and what you think of these arrow meetings. You know, I've said it before, and I keep saying it. Uh, the whole congressional thing, the whole so-called disclosure thing is, be, is the public being spoon-fed. Uh, we're being told things that are safe to talk about, but they're not going to dive into the weeds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, when it comes to actual alien beings and, and human contact with alien beings, uh, they're going to stay away from that. I've got a show coming up Friday night where I'm going to talk about alien um, healers and uh, people, actual people who I talked to and had some documentation that have been miraculously healed after having close contact with these beings. Wow. It's something I have been involved with for, for decades. Uh, I wrote about it in my book, uh, alien disclosure. It's, um, it, it's, it's something that people swear has happened to them. And, uh, in a couple cases, I, I do have, I have seen the documentation. I have seen the x-rays of changes, uh, that doctors can't explain. Uh, you're not going to hear a doctor come forward and say, well, we couldn't help them, but then some alien may have <laughs> something otherworldly took, took over. Right. Right. Uh, so there's some type of singular otherworldly medicine out there. I believe that's, that's actually healing people. Uh, so I'm going to, you know, I gathered a bunch of cases I've had together for, for years and, uh, I, I'm going to put them on a presentation this Friday night. And, but it's uh, for the most part, the stuff I've written about. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. you know, we, I think we tend to look at the insidious part of, of alien abduction implants and, and, uh, cattle mutilations and, and whatever else, the stereotypical stuff. I don't think we take a very close look at healings and, and mm -hmm. what's happened there. I'm excited to listen to the program, my friend. I, I you know, I, I mean, that, that, that's exciting for me, for somebody who's, you know, suffered from different ailments throughout the years. Um, that, that's well, something I, if, that I, that if I find an alien, I have them send it to you. <laughs> Thank you. One that would heal. One that would heal. I'd appreciate that. That would be yeah. fun. Um, you know, as, as far as congress goes though I, and i've i maintained this on yesterday's program and that's this that i believe and i don't know what your belief is here and I, I'll, I'll probe a little bit further with you here that there is a people would call it a shadow government i don't know that shadow government is the the word for it but there's a government within a government the inner workings the people that are there for they don't serve t term limits they have a permanent job in the government it's not in their best interest to have senators and representatives who serve terms and have term limits to get a hold of this information. Because when they go back to private life, what are they going to do with it? You know, what's what's the use of them having this classified information that has to do with aliens? What are they, you know, what purpose does it serve? So for them to hold on to this information of what they know is essential to them and honestly i think whatever is going on out there 
really, to them, they don't feel like the American public can handle it. And I want to get your perspective on this, Lon. Is this information that the general public can handle? You know, that's a good question. And I, I have been asked that several times. You know, I, I think overall the, the, the public, and I'm just not talking United States or America, I'm just talking worldwide, I, I think we're much more resilient uh, to something like that. Okay. You know, you know how it is, you know how it was, look, World War II, it, it, you know, we were attacked by the Japanese, you know, things looked bleak, but, you know, people stuck together and fought it out. I, I think in cases like this, it may very well happen. I mean, you remember uh, Reagan's speech to the UN where he came out and said that, you know, if it was an alien invasion, uh, that the world would stick together and, and, and try to take care of it. Yeah. I, I think that's probably what would happen. Now, as far as people that are involved in the government and then that are surviving off of black project money, mm -hmm. Yeah, they probably don't want a lot of it getting out. And, of course, these people that do come forward, these so-called whistleblowers, you know, you got first you got to look at what their their objective is or why they're doing so. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I take all that with a grain of salt. I do. Mm -hmm. uh, I have talked to people who especially elderly people who are on the deathbed confessions who talk about this. And it's always in the back of your mind. What motive, what's the motive behind this? Are they really trying to help humanity by, by coming forward with this or do they just want their name out there for prosperity? I, I don't know. It, it's hard to determine. Uh, but, um, you know, you had talked about the recent, you know, and I talked about this earlier, the recent whistleblower who'd come forward with the... Uh, David Grush. With the test, yeah, yep. coming forward. I don't know what his motives are. Um, I really don't. Um, do I believe him? Maybe to an extent, because there's a lot of it's stuff I've heard before. You know, people that are involved with the paranormal, especially with in, involved with uh, abductions and in UFO activity, I mean, investigators like just us, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the stuff that's new to the public, we've heard before. Mm -hmm. We've heard it from a lot of different channels. Now, you know, when you hear it, you got to wonder, well, OK, maybe they saw something, you know, um, everybody has their own interpretation of what they see and what happens. Uh, but what did they really see? Um, and what is their motive? Why are they coming forward? So as far as in his case, I don't know. I, I think as time goes on, we'll, we'll probably find out more, uh, as to what, what his motive was for coming forward. But, um, I, it's hard for me to believe in most cases that are people trying to do so not to make a buck. You know, Lon, what's interesting is somewhere in here, you know, David Grush has kind of gotten lost in the weeds a little bit. Mm -hmm. He, there was a kind of a catch 22 here. He didn't have, he, keep in mind, he used to have a very high clearance in the government. When he resigned from the government, he lost that clearance. They wanted to get him in a skiff, a top secret area where he could reveal some of the stuff he had. Mind you, he lost that clearance. So they mm -hmm. go to reapply for a clearance for him to get in a skiff and tell investigators what exactly he knew. 
magically he can't get that clearance anymore because somebody's denying him that clearance because he wants to whistleblow, right? I find that funny. I mean, ironically funny, not ha-ha funny, but ironically funny. My question, yeah. my yeah, question, you know, yeah, it's a motive, I yeah, think. Yeah. Right. And, but the, now they're saying that he's got motives and maybe there's some questionable things now in his background. He's only been out of the military for and out of his job for about two to three years. What can you do in two to three years? It's that questionable. I mean, that's, that's, Who knows? that's the deal. Who knows? Right. So, you know, does he have ulterior motives like you pointed out or are they altruistic motives or are they pure motives and he's saying you know what i can't live with this on my conscience i have to come forward and i i've got to let the public know but like you said he hasn't said anything that isn't out there on the internet that you can't look at right exactly but he has some stuff he wants to show congress and he can't get the clearance to do it which i think is is again is there somebody within this government, within a government, that's saying, eh, you know what, you've gone far enough. This is really just a dog and pony show. And we weren't really trying to get anything too serious out there. This is just something for 2024 when these elected officials uh, come up for re-election so they can go to their constituents and say, you know what, we may, we may not have solved the problem of inflation, but we got aliens for you. <laughs> You know, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of political motive behind it. I mean, um, you know, that's why you know I I don't like to really put much stock into congressional hearings. I'll watch them. I'll take it under consideration. But like you said, they don't go. They don't delve into what really people people really want to know. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> And for a lot of reasons, I mean, you know, is is there are there really black projects where aliens and humans are working together? Well, maybe. Hell, I've reported about it a lot. A lot of things that have come out. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's true or not, but I I take what I get, try to distinguish what I believe is truth and fact, and put it out there. But who knows if it's if it's true or not. It's just like the day I posted something about this whole thing in Peru with these so-called aliens in this village. We just and, read that story uh, yesterday. I think there's something going on there. Yeah. But, you know, with a lot, of, a lot of instances, especially in South America, where these governments are looking into something, the CIA and the U.S. gets involved with somehow. They, they get, you know, they get their hands in it and it kind of gets covered up. Now, I don't know if that's what's going on there. But I find it interesting, and, uh, you know, this is like the, the, the third update I put about this because more and more comes out. Sure, the, most of the sources are coming from the British tabloids and other tabloids, but right. you you got to look a little deeper into that. Um, if they're the only ones that are doing the reporting, uh, you got to take it for what it is and, and try to uh, distinguish what's truth and not. And... Um, but I personally do believe there's something going on there now. What it is, to what extent, we don't know. But, uh, you know, there's been a lot of situations like that over time, uh, especially down in South America. South America has some of the craziest uh, ufology stories and, and, and cases that occur. Yeah, 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 they <laughs> now, do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it, you know, and they do come out. 
but there always does seem to be a U.S. factor in those, uh, you know. So uh, that, I don't know. We'll that's, see. That's yeah, the story sure. you're t- talking about in Peru. We brought it up on Supernatural News yesterday, and I mm-hmm. it freaked Bruiser out. He he was like, and you're talking about a you know professional wrestler who's getting freaked out there. Um, just had hip surgery. Doesn't get freaked out very often. Um, but he was like face peelers. I said, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the first thing he said is he said that sounds like a black ops thing. That the the whole thing sounds like black ops. It doesn't sound like, although they tried to make it sound like some human alien hybrid type action. Um, he immediately he says this sounds like a black ops operation. It you know especially when you hear something as being described as wearing armor. Yeah. And and yeah. there's a lot of weird stuff like you said happening in South America that's uh, you know not above board. I mean, you've got drug trades all over the place. You've got other governments that are trying to infiltrate the border down there. I mean, I have some friends in government, too, that'll tell you stuff that'll curl your hair, Lon. I mean, no, I've heard a lot of things. It's almost yeah. like it's it's uh, a U.S. government playground down in down yeah. South and Central America. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of used for ulterior stuff. And uh, well, look at the drug trade all these years. You know the CIA and, and other agencies have been involved with a lot of that. Uh, it's, you know, making black money. That's the way they'd make it. I mean, yeah. if you can't, if you can't get it from the government, you make it yourself somehow. Yep. It's not above board, but you know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot to that. It's a scary area down there, my friend. So when you read a story like that and you see the words, you know, that have something to do with something not quite human doing this. Uh, there's a skeptical part of me that rolls my eyes and goes, you know what? I think that's a, that's a line for something else, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's a, a cartel or it's, it's a offshoot government faction that's l- made to look like a cartel um, or, or something that's more human based that needs, a, it needs a story in order to cover itself up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a yeah. human explanation for that. I don't know. I, I don't know how you feel about that, but. I don't know. You know, I, you know, from what I have seen, even though it, it's nothing that I can get direct information from, it does seem that people have been injured as a result of some of the stuff that's been going on down there. There has been physical contact. How true it is, I don't know. Yeah. You know, you know, it, it's you're only going to get so much information out of it. So, um, yeah. You know, it's a fun story, and it's something that, you know, you get it, you look at it, and say, eh, I can put it out there for my people to look at, my yep. readers, you know, I and let them determine what's really going on. And uh, that's why, you know, I'd say 99% of what I do is, you know, I, I try to present the stories, the, the sightings, the encounters, and what people report. I try to figure out if it's true or not. If I know it's not true, I'm not going to put it out there. Yeah. But if I think there's some scintilla of uh, evidence there or some truth to it, yeah, I'll put it out there and let them decide for themselves. Absolutely. Well, folks, we've got links to phantomsandmonsters.com, to the blog, to the radio show. And man, you've got a topic tomorrow night that I want to I want to tune in for, Lon. Alien healers. Mm. Wow, that is yeah. so exciting, my friend. I'll tell you. 
So we've got links to all that in the description of this show. Juan, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thanks for having me, Tim. It's always great to be with you. Thank you, my friend. I'd like to thank Lon Strickler for being my guest today. Again, the links are in the description of this program. Phantoms and Monsters, both the blog, the podcast. It's great stuff, folks. Very informative. Lon always brings it on every episode. And in his blog as well, you want to check it out. He's had decades upon decades of experience and brings a lot to the table. You're going to want to check out his stuff. So I want to thank Lon, first of all, for taking time out on Thanksgiving. Second of all, for bringing his knowledge to the table today on Darkness Radio. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you. Second, I got a list of people I want to thank. It's a small list uh, today on Thanksgiving. First of all, I want to thank you, the audience, for being here on Thanksgiving. I know it's a day of food and family and fun and football. (laughs) I know some of you don't want to watch football. For those of you who aren't watching football, the new movie Thanksgiving is actually a good way to spend Thanksgiving. If you want to be scared and have jump scares and all that other stuff, I hope you got a chance to see that movie as well. Speaking of movies, uh, there's a couple of people I want to thank. Allied Marketing and Niemer Fieger for all the movies this year that I got to review for you. Thank you to those two organizations for letting me see all those movies and screen all those movies and especially the programs that are on some of the streaming apps that you get to see well i think my friends over at granite city comics they've been most generous by the way if you go to granitecitycomics.com use the code darkness you can get 10 percent off at granite city comics I want to thank our sponsors. By the way, Lumi Labs and Microdose Gummies are coming back on the program as of the beginning of the year. So be sure to visit microdose.com. I believe you can still use darkness as a code. Try it and see. But I believe you still get a discount at uh, microdose.com. But in all seriousness, I want to thank, first of all, my good friend and co-host, Beer City Bruiser. And if I can be frank for a moment, Beer City Bruiser came along at a very dark time for me. And he really did, it was, it was a small miracle, come along and kind of pick me up by my own bootstraps and say, you know what, we're going to do this. We can do this, and we're going to make it good, and, and we're going to have a good time. And I've had the time of my life since he walked into my life, and I think we put together a darn good show. And I, I, if I, I'm speaking this publicly, I'm going to put this out there to the universe. Universe, let me hit a Powerball jackpot because I would love to make this guy a millionaire. I would. Um, he'd be the first one I'd pay. I'd pay him. I'd put him on contract long term and I'd make this kid a millionaire because there's just not enough money in the universe uh, for what, what Beer City Bruiser does for the show. I'm just stating it. He's, he's amazing. He's an amazing talent, an amazing guy. And I just, man, the things I'd do for that kid if I had, if I had the cash, I'd, I'd tell you. He's, uh, he's an amazing, amazing talent. And I, I just can't thank him enough. I hope he hears this message. I really do. I want to thank Mally Fox, who's been an amazing friend, amazing colleague, amazing co-host over... Gosh, what's it been now, Mal? It's been over a decade. Um, man, I, I just, uh, my fondness for Mally knows no bounds. I absolutely love her. She's, uh, she's my sister. She's, uh, she's amazing, and I love her so much, and I appreciate 
her being there in every single pinch. So, Mally, thank you so much. My other sister, Jessica Freeberg, I, I love you and appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. And intern Yoko, I love and appreciate her so much as well. Uh, they're at every turn. So I've, I've got these, this, these wonderful people around me who support me and, and continue to prop me up and keep me going. You have no idea. It's not, again, it's not a solo effort. It's a team. You have no idea uh, how much is put into the show and how much it takes to keep it going. And not only you folks out there that keep me going, but it's the team that keeps me going behind the scenes as well. And my family, of course. My family, I uh, want to thank them as well. My mother, who listens to every episode and thinks that every subliminal message is about her. It's not, Mom. Relax. <laughs> there's, there's no subliminal messages being made about you in the program. It's, it's uh, just all in good fun. There you go. Also, other people I want to thank. My doctors, believe it or not, who keep me going. Doctors Schuster, Tasma, and Bating. Yes, they keep me propped up and keep me on the air. They're not Elvis doctors, believe it or not. They're actually good doctors. But they keep me uh, as healthy as can be and keep me running and keep me able to do over 150 shows a year, folks. That's right. It's a grind. And my Uncle Bob, who's part of that family I was telling you about, told me one thing before I started this whole deal over 35 years ago, and that's this. He wrote me a letter. I won't tell you everything that was in that letter because it was deeply personal. But in that, he said that you need to maintain certain things in order to be a broadcaster and do this long term. He said you needed to look out for the physical, the spiritual, and the mental. And in that, the physical goes a long way. And my doctors have helped me maintain a physical presence in this world. I didn't take care of myself for a lot of years. And I'm learning in my old age that that's important. And my doctors have gone a long way to show me exactly how to take care of myself. So I want to thank Dr. Schuster, Tasma, and Bating for helping me in that. I've got some friends in the paranormal world and in the true crime world that I want to thank as well. Uh, Jeff Belanger, Brad Blair, Lon Strickler, who's on the program today, Tara, Alan Warren, Jason Hawes, Ian Punnett, and Rocky Stucci, although he may not know this, but he keeps me laughing every day with his, with his Facebook posts. Uh, I miss you here in the, in the Twin Cities, but I know you're down in Texas, but it's, uh, it's kind of hard not having you here in the cities, but I see you virtually and, and you keep me laughing. So it's, uh, it's good to have you. Good to have you around. I uh, also want to thank the folks at Warner Brothers Discovery who keep a, an amazing array of guests around for us. Uh, the folks at Wild Blue Press who do the same. Megan Beatty at NBC Communications, who's given us an amazing amount of true crime authors lately. Inner Traditions Publishing, who gives us great paranormal guests, as well as Llewellyn Press. And uh, again, I mentioned Allied Marketing and Niemer Fieger, who also come through as well. There's a lot of folks out there I know I'm forgetting. And I don't mean to do that intentionally. If I didn't mention your name, it's not a slight. I have a lot of friends, a lot of uh, people who influence my life. I want to thank Spider Baby too. I haven't thanked Spider Baby today. So Spider Baby, you get you get the rub, buddy. You're, you're there. Um, there are a lot of people in my life who make my universe go round. And I don't always remember everybody and that's my fault. It's not your fault. Um, seven concussions and post-concussive syndrome will 
<laughs> we'll keep a lot of those people from being mentioned today, and I apologize for that. Uh, it's nothing personal. But I am thankful, and I am grateful, and I have this attitude of gratitude, especially on Thanksgiving. And when I observe the holiday, I think of everyone, past, present, and future, the people that will eventually come into my life, that will shape and help me become a better person. And I thank you all for that. There's been a lot of growth in the last couple of years, a lot of growth. And I, I thank you all for that. I thank you each and every day, whether you know it or not, when I wake up in the morning, I say a small prayer, thanking everything and everybody that's come into my life. I do it before I go to bed. And I keep myself open to the universe that good things will continue to happen. And I hope that those good things happen to you today. Whether you be alone listening to this podcast, hoping that good things will come your way soon, or if you're about to go visit family and have a wonderful meal, or maybe it's an embarrassment of riches for you and you're going down to a shelter today to share that embarrassment of riches with someone. I hope that you're using your influence today to help someone else. Thanksgiving especially should be a time where we're reaching out to others and spreading the wealth of self. We should be a light in the darkness for others today. Today should be that day where we reach out to somebody and spread a little bit of love and kindness and let them know that we're truly thankful for this existence on this crazy rock that we call Earth because it is such a short amount of time. And we only have that short amount of time to let each other know that we matter. And that's how I'll, I'll sum it up today. Go out, eat, be merry, watch some football for Christ's sakes, and I don't know, go out and boo Kirk Cousins. There's your negative for today. <laughs> That'll do it for today. I love you guys. That's it. I'm going to go get in a turkey coma and... and uh, cheer on some football and maybe throw something at the screen and and we'll see you next week we got a great week of uh, shows coming up next week i'm going to check by the way before we go go to the events page darknessradioshow.com find out how you can watch beer city bruiser this weekend he's going to be wrestling since first time since hip surgery title match network wrestlecade I'm going to sit myself, my, I almost said my fat ass. I'm going to sit my fat ass in front of the TV and watch Beer City Bruiser this weekend. Please be careful, Bruiser. Please. I'm a little worried, buddy. But please be careful. He's going to be producing wrestling this weekend. He's going to be wrestling himself. His return to the ring. WrestleCade. Go to darknessradioshow.com. If, if you're in the Winston-Salem area of North Carolina, go see him in person. If you're sitting at home, please watch him at home. Cheer him on. Get on his socials. Let him know you're behind him. Let him know you love him. And let's go, Bruce. All right. We'll see you next week for the best in paranormal podcasting. This has been Darkness Radio. Darkness Radio.